Labor Day Sunday, here we are. Now, I want you to notice, and the reason I had you read them out is because Jesus mentions three cannots, revealing three obstacles that get in our way of actually walking in discipleship with Jesus Christ. He said, if you don't do this, you cannot be my disciple. That, you cannot be my disciple. Or this over here, you can't be my disciple. So he is revealing for us the things that get in the way, three major obstacles that stand in the pathway of our going on with him into a life of genuine discipleship. Here's the, here they are, earthly affections, selfish selves, and possessions. I call stuff. Our stuff. You ever had a garage sale and realize how much stuff you accumulated you're never going to use? Now, so the next few weeks, we're going to be dealing with these three things. Our affections, where are they? Our cross, which is the only thing that takes care of selfishness. And our stuff that so often prevents us from really giving Jesus everything. So today, I'm going to talk about what it means to be a disciple. Because if we don't understand discipleship, the next three weeks aren't going to make any sense. So we need to understand discipleship. And just so you'll know, when you look in the Bible, you will see the word Christian three times. In the entire Bible, Christian is mentioned three times. But discipleship is mentioned 269 times. What a difference. And yet, did you know that the two words are interchangeable? They're synonyms. They're not different. If you talk about a Christian, the Bible assumes you mean a disciple. And if you talk about a disciple, the Bible assumes you mean Christian. They're interchangeable. And so here's the way Jesus' teaching could read. Anybody who does not pick up his cross and follow me cannot be a Christian. And see, we have such a watered-down view of Christianity in America. When they do these polls and, you know, kajillions of people say I'm Christian, and yet I look at our culture, I don't see a lot of Christianity being walked out. So I think, I think there is, there is a, a communication gap here. Something has, has been missed. What is it called? Cognitive dissonance. Where Christian, when we hear that word, we don't understand what it really means. We don't understand what Jesus required of people who say, come into my heart, be my Savior. You are my Savior, my Lord. Now I've been saved. I'm going to heaven one day. We don't understand the terms of the agreement. So what does disciple mean? Disciple basically means a learner. It's that simple, a learner. It's from the Greek word mathetes. And the only reason I'm giving you the Greek word is because out of mathetes, we get math. My all-time least favorite subject, math. But, but here's what the word mathetes means. It means exerting the mental effort needed to think something through. It's telling us that a true follower of Jesus will listen to what Jesus said and taught and will think it through in order to apply it to their own life. They are studiers. They are learners. It is to learn at the feet of the master. A disciple is a learner, and he is our teacher. You know, in America, we're taught he's our Savior. Everybody wants the fire insurance. Everybody wants the ticket to fly when the rapture comes. But you know what? We don't 
see him near as much as our teacher. He's our savior. He's the one that died for us on the cross. Oh yeah, I know him that way. But how many of us ever, ever start to thought, think that he's my teacher? He's my teacher. Is he your teacher? He's my teacher. That means he's my philosopher. He's my guide in life. He is the one that teaches me how to do life. Jesus was a master teacher. Disciple means once I'm saved, I then sit at his feet and I learn. Thinking through what he said. Mathetes. Thinking through what he said. And then applying it to my life. A a disciple not only hears, but he does. He hears in order that he can do. He wants to hear because he wants to do. That's a disciple. He's a follower of the teacher. Someone who adheres completely to his teachings. A true disciple. Lays aside anything and everything that would hinder him from following Jesus on a daily basis. If if something gets in the way, the true disciple may struggle with it. The true disciple may have a battle over it. But the true disciple will always lay it down so that he can clear the path to go on with Jesus in discipleship. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, Jesus said to his followers, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus said there's a first thing in life, and it's the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God all boiled down is Jesus. He is the kingdom of God. So let me put it this way. The true disciple is all in. Totally in. In the Bible, we see that Jesus had one word to describe his followers. Disciples. He didn't call them converts. He didn't call them believers. He said disciples. And Jesus was very desirous that people would recognize his followers as disciples. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my converts, my believers. No. What did he say? By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. He continuously clarified what a true disciple is with or is is, is all about by describing it like this. If you continue in my word, there's the idea. If you continue daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, the rest of your life in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Just before he ascended back into heaven, Jesus said to his followers, to his own disciples, he said, I want you, my disciples, to go out and make disciples. Notice, he didn't say go make converts. He didn't say go make uh, 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 Christians. He said, go make disciples. He knew what it meant. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus assumed if you were a Christian, you were a disciple. If you called him Lord, you are also going to be a disciple. And how do you make disciples? He said, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. I want you to go make disciples. And the way somebody becomes a disciple is Jesus is first their savior, but then he's their teacher. He's their philosopher. He's their guide. He's their counselor. He's their director. He's their explainer. He's their expositor. It is Jesus, the teacher. So we make disciples by leading somebody to make a profession of faith in Jesus, but then we don't stop there. That's the end of their old life, but the beginning of their new life, and the beginning of the new life is to begin immediately in discipleship. 
Jesus, you're my savior, but now, as long as I'm on this planet, you're my teacher. I'm listening to what, on Wednesday nights, we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That is Jesus' teaching, really, in a nutshell. It's the encapsulization of his teaching. And we're learning what he said so that we can do. Because in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he's teaching us how to do life as our teacher. When the early church exploded with thousands of new converts, the Bible says the number of the disciples was multiplied. It says in verse 7, same chapter, the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. So they had all these people coming to Jesus by faith and being saved, and immediately they took them aside and began to teach them the things he had said so that they would become learners and apply that truth to their life and become lifelong, fruit-bearing disciples. All through the book of Acts, Christians are called disciples. And you know what I've already said? The Bible makes no distinction between a Christian and a disciple. There's no distinction. If you were a Christian, it was immediately assumed that you were a disciple daily following Jesus in discipleship. So the word disciple carries the idea of a learning believer, someone who's growing in his faith and in his love for the Lord every day, every week, month, and year. It emphasizes Not the moment of salvation, but the lifetime of sanctification that follows salvation. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then and only then you are disciples of mine. Discipleship is the difference between a one-time profession of faith and a lifetime of spiritual growth and increasing godliness. Did you know that at this time next year, we ought to be able to look back and see that we have grown that year? We, we should look back right now. Where were you a year ago? You ought to be further along today. Because if we abide in the vine and continue in his word, then we will grow spiritually as disciples of Jesus Christ. So that as we go along, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith, the fruits of the Spirit are growing in us and manifesting through us because we've been abiding in the vine by continuing in his word, which is to continue in discipleship. If you took a poll of Americans and said, how many of you are real, genuine disciples, and you explained it, boy, those percentages would go way down. I have seen people countless times come to the altar and give their hearts to Jesus, but unfortunately, I've seen that they didn't follow through with discipleship. You see, if you don't follow through with discipleship, you're coming to Jesus. Yeah, it's going to get you to heaven someday, but you're not going to bear much fruit. As a matter of fact, can I tell you what I've noticed through the years? I've noticed that only real disciples walking with Jesus in discipleship bear real fruit peripheral, nominally committed Christians do not. Listen to what Jesus said. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. How? So you will be my disciples. To Jesus, discipleship preceded fruitful Christian life. So that means I'm called to pick up his cross daily, my cross daily, and follow him. I'm called to crucify myself. I'm called to do away with selfishness. I'm called to lay anything aside that gets in the way between me and Jesus. That is what a real disciple does. 
As I read the Bible, not all of Jesus' followers were able to make such a commitment. All Jesus had to do was teach about discipleship, and he, he thinned the ranks real quickly. It says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. When did they do that? When he explained discipleship. People who had been following him as disciples turned back. They were eventually hindered by one of the three obstacles that I mentioned. Affections that were not fully his. Selfishness and possessions. One of those three got them, and one of those three will get any one of us if we let them. And that's why I'm telling you the truth about the Christian walk today. I'm not here to tell you he wants to make you rich or he wants to give you the best parking place at Kroger's when you go there to get groceries. That is not Christianity. Christianity is he died for my sins, rose from the dead. He redeemed me with the blood of the Lamb. He filled me with the Holy Spirit, and now he has called me to live a life of discipleship. All of us should have the testimony of the Apostle Paul. Here's what he said. Here's, here is the testimony of somebody who had made Jesus Lord and was walking in discipleship. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. I'm going to read that again. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, meaning for myself. The life that I live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the life of a disciple. Now, do you know that when I read the New Testament this week, getting ready for this message, I realized that great crowds followed Jesus, and there were three different types of people in those crowds that never ended up walking in discipleship. And so I want to explain those three types to you. I want you to say them with me. They were casual followers, confused followers, and curious followers. Those three types follow Jesus all the time. Now, I'm going to break them down. Let me just explain them briefly one at a time. First, there was the casual followers. Oh, our nation is filled with casual Christians. Luke says specifically that large crowds were following Jesus, and it was these large crowds that he turned to and elaborated on being a disciple. Now, I want you to realize with me that he wasn't talking to people that were antagonistic to him. He wasn't talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees. These people were not antagonistic towards him, nor were they disinterested in Jesus. They were traveling with Jesus. They were positive in their attitude towards Jesus, and they were interested in what he had to say. But they had done something many American Christians do. They had equated their positive attitude and their interest in Jesus for true discipleship. And many people do that today. Many people say, well, you know what? I go to church every Sunday, so that makes me a disciple. No, it does not. There's all kinds of people that come to church on Sunday that are not disciples. And I'm not talking to you. Don't, don't look at me funny. I'm not expecting you much of jumping up and clapping today because this is a searching message. But do you know that our churches are filled with people who are casual Christians? They assumed that to turn out to hear him equated into following him in discipleship. What would you do today? Oh, I went out in the country and I heard Jesus. Oh, well, then I'm also a disciple. No. Just because you went to hear about him 
or to a service that had to do with him doesn't make you a disciple. They were willing and even anxious to follow Jesus until they heard the cost. Jesus said, count the cost. He said it twice. Count the cost, count the cost. And when he laid out the terms of discipleship, when the cost got too high or the demand became too great, it was these people, these large crowds that were immediately thinned because they turned around and walked away and they could not follow Jesus anymore. They were like many people do today. Who They do Christian things. They go to church. They go to pray. They go to Christian. They, they sing Christian songs. They go to Christian concerts. But when you look at their lifestyle, and I'm not sitting around picking apart everybody's lifestyle, but you see how people live. You can't help it. And you see that a lot of people that say, oh, yeah, I went to a Christian concert. I go to that church, and, and boy, I love to watch Pastor Jeff sweat, or I love to see those people sing. That doesn't make you a disciple. You might be a casual Christian, but you're not a committed Christian. Because there's only four kinds. Casual, curious, confused, or committed. And Jesus is looking for the committed. This first group was like along for the ride. But they were unwilling to give up everything. And they walked away because they wouldn't give up everything. And they came into conflict with the will of God over what they wanted. And it was from this crowd of casual followers that many turned and walked away when Jesus began to, to describe true discipleship. Casual. One of the obstacles to discipleship had stopped them. Earthly affections or selfishness or possessions. And they were like a lot of people today who looked at Jesus to solve their money problems or fix their marriage or heal their body. And as soon as Jesus doesn't do what they wanted, when they wanted him to do it, they walk away because they were casual. They weren't committed. How do you follow Jesus? Oh, I follow him casually. I'm casual about it. Don't want to get fanatical. Boy, I do. You know the, the name fan comes from fanatic and if we're fanatical about anything, we ought to be fanatical about the one who died for us on the cross and rose again from the dead, who is about to split the eastern sky and return again. We ought to be fanatical about the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Messiah, Jesus, who conquered death, hell, and the grave on our behalf. We ought to be fanatical about that. Sold out. So these large crowds were filled with casual followers and not committed followers. Which are you today? And then there were confused followers. And, and I want to tell you, folks, I run across these people all the time. The Bible says that when Jesus entered Jerusalem on the very first Palm Sunday, listen to what it says. I'm quoting the Bible. Everyone in the city was excited and asked a question. Who can this be? Who is this Jesus? What's he about? Tell us who Jesus is is. Do you know what an important question that is? That's the most important question a human being can ever answer. Jesus one day said to his disciples, hey, guys, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say the prophet, one of the prophets. And then Jesus wanted to know from them, but who do you say that I am? 
And this is when Peter went into the record books and Peter said, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father who is in heaven. See, Jesus wanted to know what does the world believe about me? And what do you, my disciples believe about me? What do you know about me? I want to be sure that you of all people are not confused. So here's what the crowd said. Oh, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. That sounds like a great answer, but you know what? It was a partial answer. They were partially wrong because Jesus is not just a prophet. This is the prophet from Galilee. That's the most they knew about him, but it wasn't enough. They were wrong because Jesus riding the donkey into Jerusalem was God's lamb, the Messiah, who was about to die on a rugged cross of shame for their sins and our sins. And he was about to rise from the dead. He was king of kings, Lord of lords, the lion of Judah, the one who's going to come again, the ruler of the world, the conqueror of death, hell, and the grave. He was way more than a prophet. Who do you say that he is? Because crowds that come to churches are all the time. Our culture is so confused about who Jesus is. I was talking to a man this week. I got an answer I've never gotten. I was talking to him about Jesus. And I said to him, not, not really getting ready for this message, but boy, does it fit. I said to him, well, then who's Jesus to you? And what he said made my day in a weird kind of way. He said, oh man, I know who Jesus was. Jesus was a true hippie. (laughs) And he said, you know, peace, love, flowers, tiptoeing through the tulips, a flower child. I said to him, you've made my day. Because I've had a lot of answers through the years, but I've never had that one. And I said, dude, let me tell you something. I was a hippie and a good one. And we were anything but (laughs) Christ-like. So let me tell you. I said, we cussed, we fornicated, we lied, we cursed God. Don't tell me Jesus was a hippie. And I said to him, no, he was the lamb of God who died for your sins and rose again from the dead. You have no idea who Jesus is. But, and, and I say, and I don't say that condescendingly because you're in the dark until somebody tells you, how shall they hear without a preacher? The confused crowd People are confused about Jesus all the time. People come to church who are confused about Jesus, and because they're confused about Jesus, they do not know how to respond to the call to discipleship. The confused are always wrong about one thing, what Jesus was all about and who he really was and is. He was the sinless lamb of God, God wrapped in flesh, God incarnate. God was in Christ, and Christ was God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was very God. He was not just a normal man. No one has ever been like Jesus. He didn't have an earthly daddy. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was absolutely all God, all man, and all man, and all God. He never, never once had to repent because he never once sinned. Never once did a shadow pass between him and the Heavenly Father. And that same Jesus 
is about to return at the sound of the trumpet. He is near at the eastern gate. He's about to return. And when he does, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You say, well, Jeff, why don't you get a little bit excited? I am a little bit excited about Jesus Christ. Come on. We all ought to be excited. Now, some of you in here, what you're, you, you're, you're kind of freaking, and you're going, uh, gosh, honey, thanks for bringing me to this church today. But see, here's the deal. If somebody died for my sins and took the rap for me, and was judged at the judgment bar of God for me and loved me enough to stretch out his hands and feet on a rugged, rough, torturous cross to die for me and rise from the dead, then I can certainly be excited. And I'm so excited to know that he holds the whole world in his nail-scarred hands. And man is not running the world. It is God's providence is racing toward the time that Jesus returns again. And he's going to come back. He said he was going to come back. And if that doesn't get you excited, maybe you need to be saved. You know? So, so forgive us if we get a little excited around here. We're, 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 uh, we're not a tombstone. So there were casual followers. There were confused followers. And, and then there were the curious followers. And I'm going to close with this. After Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, listen to what the Bible says. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. Now, listen to this next verse. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. They came running out of the surrounding towns to meet the one who had raised Lazarus from the dead because they heard he had done this sign. They were the curious crowd. They wanted the miracle worker to pull a rabbit out of a hat for them. They weren't there for him, but they were there for what he could do for them. See, the real disciple is truly in love with Jesus. The, the disciple loves Jesus, no matter what he does or doesn't do. The disciple loves Jesus. Uh, having not seen him, yet we love him. It is a miracle of God. We love someone we have not seen. And, and the true disciple is there for him, not his. The true disciple is there for who he is, not what he can do. The true disciple would walk with him the rest of their lives if he did, never did another thing on their behalf because he's already done enough, died on the cross. But I've seen him countless times, the curious. Herod was one of these. It said Herod was excited about meeting Jesus because he had heard the things he had done and he wanted to see him do some sign. He was curious. People do this all the time. They go running off to church services or miracle services or revival services because they hear that uh, various things are happening and going on. So they want to go see what Jesus, what rabbit he's pulling out of the hat, what Jesus is doing. They want the goosebumps and the thrills and the spills, but they don't want him. They're a million miles away from the real Christian life, the life of a disciple. So you have casual followers, confused followers, 
You have curious followers. All follow Jesus. But when Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus had been teaching about discipleship, it says out of 5,000 people, 4,988 walked away. Twelve are left standing. Jesus said to them, will you also leave? I know that feeling. And Peter says, where else are we going to go? You alone have the words to eternal life. Notice 4,988 had been following him, but they were thinned out when he talked about discipleship. Twelve stayed, but look what they got to experience. Look what they were empowered to do. They became world changers. How many of you would rather be a disciple than just a casual follower? Can we stand together today?